0: Hello and welcome to Dimension X from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. By transcription, it's National Wheaties Week. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's National Wheaties Week, and Wheaties present Dimension X. On stage tonight, Dimension X, another in the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. It's National Wheaties Week. The week to buy Wheaties and eat Wheaties and enjoy them as never before. The time to really find out what difference a good breakfast with Wheaties can make. You know, you're getting protein when you dip into a bowl full of Wheaties. You're getting whole wheat minerals and vitamins. You're getting whole wheat energy. Yup, there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties' flake. That's how a better breakfast, beginning with Wheaties, can help you step lively all morning long. And that's why all over this big country, folks are celebrating National Wheaties' Week and stepping lively. So how about it? Get out the big cereal bowl and help celebrate breakfast of champions. Pour out those golden flakes, put on the milk, put on the fruit, and let's have National Wheaties' Week. You ready? Let's go.
1: Tonight, Dimension X presents The Martian Chronicles. A dramatization of the new novel by one of our most brilliant young science fiction writers, Ray Bradbury. The Martian Chronicles. (laughs) January in the year 1999. One minute it was Ohio winter with doors closed, the panes blind with frost... Icicles fringing every roof, children skiing on snowy slopes. And then a long wave of warmth crossed the small town, a flooding sea of hot air.
2: Bye, Mom, I'm going out. William McClellan, you come back here. You know you can't go
3: out in winter without a cold. You want to catch your death of cold? But it isn't cold. It's warm outside. It's rocket summer. Rocket summer? You know, like Indian summer.
1: The rocket lay on the launching field, blowing out pink clouds of fire and heat, cracking the icicles, melting the snow, making summer with every breath of its mighty exhausts. It seared the faces of the watching crowd and drove them back, and then they saw the red fire and heard the big sound as the silver rocket shot up toward Mars and left them behind on an ordinary Monday morning on the ordinary planet Earth. He lived in a house of crystal pillars on the planet Mars, by the edge of an empty sea. And every morning you could see Ella eating the golden fruits that grew from the crystal walls, or her husband sitting alone in his room reading from a singing metal book, over which he brushed his hand as one might play a harp. Ella and her husband were not old. Once they had liked painting pictures with chemical fire swimming in the canals when the wine trees filled them with green liquors and talking into the dawn together. But no more. Marriage sometimes makes people old and familiar while still young. And Hila was not happy now. This morning she sat dreaming between the crystal pillars and wished that somehow a miracle might happen. And then suddenly... Hila, oh. did you call? No. I thought I heard you cry out.
4: Did I? I was almost asleep and had a dream.
1: In the daytime? Hmm. You don't often do that.
4: Strange. Oh, very strange. I dreamed about a man. A tall man. Six feet tall.
1: Oh, absurd. He'd be a giant, a misshapen giant.
4: I know. And yet, somehow he looked quite handsome. He was dressed in a strange uniform. And he came down out of the sky in a... Long silver craft.
1: Out of the sky? (laughs) What nonsense.
4: He spoke pleasantly to me in another language. But somehow I understood him with my mind. Telepathy, I suppose.
5: A
6: really,
1: Eli. And he said,
4: I've come from the third planet in my ship. My name is Nathaniel York.
1: Stupid name. Who ever heard of a name like that?
4: Perhaps they have names like that on Earth.
1: That's ridiculous, Hila. Everyone knows the third planet is incapable of supporting life. There's too much oxygen in their atmosphere.
4: I suppose. But haven't you ever wondered if... Well, wouldn't it be fascinating if there were people there and they traveled through space in some sort of ship?
1: Really, Eli? You know, I hate this emotional wailing. Let's get on with our work. Evening came. The twin white moons of Mars were rising, and the house closed itself in like a giant flower. A wind blew among the pillars, staring Ila's russet hair, crooning softly in her ear. And it was then that she began singing the song.
4: Drink to me, only me.
5: Uh, What's
1: that song?
4: I don't know.
1: What do you mean you don't know? I've never heard it before. Did you compose it?
4: No. Yes. No, I don't know, really. I don't even know what the words are. They're in another language. It was part of a dream I had, I guess.
1: Oh. You know, you haven't been yourself lately. It might do you good if we went away to the Blue Mountains for a week or so. What? What? Did you hear what I said?
4: I'm sorry. I was
1: watching the sky. You're certainly interested in the sky tonight. It's very beautiful. Well, what about my suggestion? Shall we leave for the Blue Mountains in the morning?
4: You mean go away now? Oh, no.
1: No? Why not? Why don't you want to go?
4: I don't know. I just don't want to, that's all. Oh, leave a up, and I will not
5: ask for... Ela,
1: I'm sick of that silly song. It's late. Let us sleep From the crystal walls poured a soft carpeting of mist to support Ela where she lay down to sleep. But through the night she tossed restlessly until just at dawn the dream recurred.. Mm-hmm. Hila, Hila, wake up.
4: What? Oh, what is it?
1: You've been dreaming again. You talked in your sleep. Did I? Yes. What were you dreaming?
4: Oh, the ship. It came from the sky again. And the tall man stepped out and talked with me. (laughs) Telling me little jokes and laughing. What else happened? And then this, this Captain York... Oh, I can't. It's all so silly. Tell me! He said I was beautiful. And then he kissed me.
5: I thought so.
1: What else?
4: Why, Eel, you're so bad-tempered. It's only a dream. Is it?
1: You know I can read your mind. You can't keep secrets from me.
4: Well, all that happened was this Captain York told me... Well, he told me he'd take me away in his ship, into the sky, take me back to his planet with him. It's quite ridiculous, really.
1: Ridiculous, is it? You should have heard yourself. Pawning on him, talking to him, singing with him all night. In your dream, he landed in Green Valley, didn't Please. he? Please. And he told you he was coming today.
4: Yes. But what's come over you? It was only a dream. You can't be jealous of that.
1: No, no, I suppose not. Forgive me. I'm being childish. Ian, you're sick. You've been
4: working too hard. No,
1: no, I'm all right. But perhaps you're right. Maybe I could use a little relaxation. Yes. I think I'll take the morning off and go hunting. Hunting? Yes, in Green Valley. (laughs) Numbly, she watched him go to a closet and draw forth an evil-looking weapon. And then her husband was gone, walking toward Green Valley, And Ila waited, watching the sky for an unknown thing, trembling with a nameless fear. And then it happened. A whirring, rushing sound. The warmth as of a giant fire passing in the air. The gleam of metal in the sky. He's
7: come, it's true, the dream is true.
1: The rocket vanished over the hill. The sky was empty again. And trembling, Ila waited again, looking toward Green Valley and seeing nothing listening for sounds and hearing nothing, until a shot sounded very sharply, the sound of the evil weapon. No,
4: no, no, no.
1: Her body jerked with the sound, and she wanted to scream and never stop screaming. For now she knew the dream could never come true. There was nothing left but the song, the strange and fine and beautiful song.
4: Think to me only with thine eye and I will pledge with mine or leave a kiss within the cup.
1: But still, the rockets came. The next ship came down from the stars and the black velocities and the silent gulfs of space and landed by night near a Martian city. The men made their way to the outer rim of the dreaming city. And then Jeff Spender went in to reconnoiter while the others watched and waited. Waited for something to stir in the haunted city, some gray form to rise, some voice to break the unearthly stillness. Where were the people? Where were the Martians? Nothing stirred to disturb the silence until.
7: Halt! Oh goes there! Don't
6: shoot! Hold it, Parker. Let's spender and his party. They're coming back.
7: Captain Wildman! Over here.
5: Well, Captain. We've searched the city. People were living here last week. People? Martians. Where are they now? Dead.
6: Dead? What did they die of?
5: You won't believe it, Captain. Chickenpox.
6: Good Lord, no.
5: Yes. No resistance to an Earth disease, I guess.
6: So the other rocket did get through to Mars. It
5: looks like it, Captain. God only knows what the Martians did to them. But at least we know what they did to the Martians.
7: You mean they're all dead? Yes. This planet is through. Hey! You hear that, guys? We're safe. <laughs> Break out a bottle, Cookie. Let's have a drink to celebrate. Stop it, Park Hill. Put down that bottle. Ah, What's eating you, Spender? The planet's ours now. We got a christener, don't we? <laughs> I christen thee the city of... Uh, I christen... Hey, Park Hill City. Huh? Park Hill, I warned you. All right, Spender, that's enough.
6: That'll cost you a $50 fine. Okay, McClure, take care of Parkhill. Spender, you come with me.
5: All right, Spender, why did you hit him? I don't know, Captain. I was ashamed, I guess. Ashamed of Sam Parkhill and the noise and the spectacle the whole crew is making.
6: It's been a long trip. It's only
5: natural they'd want to have their fling. Yes, but where's their sense of what's right? Their respect for what's happened here. Captain, a race builds itself for a million years, refines itself, builds cities like this one, does everything it can to give itself respect and beauty, and, and then it dies. Of what? Not anything fine or majestic or fitting, but, but a dirty little thing like chickenpox. And Sam Parkill wants to celebrate. I know, Spender, but you've got to remember you've a different way of seeing things. I'm seeing things, all right. I'm seeing what we'll do to Mars. We'll rip it up, rip the skin off, ruin it the way we've ruined our own planet. Captain, look at the city. It may be the last time you'll ever see it this way.
6: Beautiful in the moonlight,
5: isn't it? Yes, there's a poem by Byron that describes it and how the Martians would feel tonight if there were any, any of them left to feel. So we'll go no more a-roving so late into the night. Though the heart be still as loving and the moon be still as bright. For the sword outwears its sheath and the soul wears out the breast. And the heart must pause to breathe, and love itself must rest. Though the night was made for loving, and the day returns too soon, yet we'll go no more roving by the light of the moon.
1: Without a word, the Earthmen stood and looked at the city. The bottle lay shattered at Sam Parkhill's feet and the sour stench of liquor filled the cool air. The men of Earth had come to Mars.
0: Dimension X will continue in just a moment. It's National Wheaties Week. Yes, the week when everybody tries Wheaties, even an orchestra leader. And here he comes from behind the scenes in radio to help celebrate National Wheaties Week, Mr. Von Dexter. Thank you,
6: Frank. Hello, folks. I understand this is National Wheaties Week. I can't get a kick out of that. The only breakfast food in the world with a week of its own. And I'm here for just one thing to ask you to try Wheaties during National Wheaties Week. There are a lot of us whose voices you've never heard on the Wheaties' big parade of radio programs, you know. Backstage people.
0: Like musicians.
6: Right, Frank, like musicians. We would get great pleasure from knowing you like these programs well enough to buy a box of Wheaties tomorrow. Wheaties are good. They're nice to eat. I like them. I think you will. Try them once during National Wheaties Week. Will you do that?
0: Well, I think the folks will. Good. Thank you. Good night.
1: Men of Earth came to Mars. They came because they were afraid or unafraid. Because they were happy or unhappy. Because they felt like pilgrims or did not feel like pilgrims. The government posters screamed, There's work for you in the sky. See Mars! And the men shuffled forward, all kinds of men, all coming for different reasons. The rockets came like drums beating in the night. They came like locusts, swarming and settling in blooms of rosy smoke. Mars was a distant shore, and the settlers spread upon it in waves. First the pioneers and builders, then the people of civilization. Some came because they were afraid of a coming war on Earth. Some came because they were afraid of nothing. Some came to escape from the smell of the subways and the cabbage tenements. And some came from houses like the one in Ohio. It was a good house, the house in Ohio. And for six years, the family had lived there contentedly, enjoying music and poetry and the rich, warm things of life. For the house had been built to be lived in in the year 2020. It contained all the latest automatic devices, from talking book recorders to singing clocks. (coughs) As the family rose and dressed, the beds whirred electronically and made themselves. In the kitchen, the stove sighed and ejected from its warm interior eight eggs, sunny side up, 12 bacon slices, two coffees, and two glasses of milk.
7: Seven, nine, breakfast time. Come and dine, seven, nine.
1: Beside the breakfast table, the facsimile machine clacked and deposited the morning paper on the table. The headlines today spoke ominously of the danger of a coming war, and the man frowned as he read the news. Today is August 4th, 2026. Insurance, gas, and atom and heat bills are due, and today, remember, the family has planned a picnic.
3: Gee, Dad, are we really going? Sure, Timmy, why not? It's raining out. It's
6: not raining where we're going, son. Now run upstairs, pack your fishing tackle. We're going on our picnic, all right.
3: Okay, Dad.
6: Bill,
4: are you sure we ought to go?
6: Yes. Have you seen the headlines
3: this morning? It looks bad, doesn't it? Mm
6: hmm. The rocket's ready. All we have to do is pack and take off.
3: I know, but, well, flying
4: to Mars, it seems so crazy. Well, all right, then, we'll go. Should we tell the children why we're going?
6: No, not yet.
1: Let them enjoy the picnic. <coughs> The house went on with its appointed tasks.
0: 9.15, time to
1: clean. 9.15, time to clean. Out of the molding darted hundreds of tiny mechanical mice, all rubber and metal. They sucked up the dust and dirt in the house and popped back into their burrows. In the walls, relays clicked, memory tapes glided under electric eyes, recorded voices moved under steel needles. 12 o'clock? evening came. In the living room, the hearth fire bloomed out of nothing, and the phonograph spoke from beside the fireplace. Mrs. McClellan, what poem would you like to hear this evening? Mr. McClellan, since you express no preference, I shall select at random from among your favorites. Sarah Teasdale, There Will Come Soft Rains.
2: There will come soft rains and the smell of the ground and swallows circling with their shimmering sound, and frogs in the pool singing at night, and wild plum trees in tremulous white. Robins will wear their feathery fire, whistling their whims on a low fence wire, and not one will know of war, not one will care at last when it is done. Not one would mind neither bird nor tree, if mankind perish. Utterly, and spring herself, when she woke at dawn, could scarcely know that we were gone.
1: The phonograph finished the poem, but there was no one there to hear, for the family had gone to Mars. Ah! Ah! On the Martian desert beside the highway, there rose a blare of red and yellow neon lights that spelled the death of Jeff Spender's dream. Sam's hot dog stand was what the sign read. And Sam, of course, was the same Sam Parkhill who had fought with Spender years before. 10,000 rockets were reported leaving soon for Mars with 100,000 hungry customers. And Sam wanted to be ready for them. Hey,
7: look up there, Elmer. Mm-hmm. See that green star up there? That's Earth. Ah, good old wonderful earth. (laughs) Makes you feel almost reverent, don't it? Yeah. Send me your hungry and your starved... Uh, Something, something. That's a poem I learned in school. (laughs) Come on, earth, send me your rockets. Here's Sam Parkhill with the only hot dog stand on Mars.
4: Sam, what if the rockets don't come? What is this a war on earth?
7: Ah, don't worry. They're coming all right. Ain't nothing gonna happen to spoil my plans, baby. I figured it all out. Sam! I... Hey, Sam, look up there! Earth! Oh, what? Oh, no. It's catching fire. It's burning. Oh, no, no that can't be earth. Helma, they can't do this to me. I got all our money invested <laughs> in this place. I...
4: Go ahead, Sam. Switch on more lights. Turn up the music. Get the hot dogs on the fire. There'll be another batch of customers coming along in about a hundred million years.
7: Oh, no, it couldn't be. What
4: a swell spot for a hot dog, stand. Let you in on a little secret, Sam. This looks like it's going to be an off season.
1: The light beam radio crackled with the news. War. War.
7: Come home.
1: By morning, the shelves of the luggage store were empty and the rockets were blasting off, headed back to Earth. In a few days, everyone was gone and the planet of Mars once more lay deserted and silent. And then, after all the rest had gone... One last rocket landed on Mars. A small, family-sized rocket come all the way from Earth. It seemed a long way to go for a picnic, but Dad had suggested a fishing trip, and Mother thought the whole family would enjoy a vacation. So here they were, floating down a Martian canal, with Timothy sitting in the back of the boat with Dad and Mother up front holding Alice the baby, and the deserted Martian towns drifting slowly by. What is it, Timmy?
3: When do we see the Martians? You promised we would. Soon,
6: Tim, soon.
3: Oh, but, William,
4: the last Martians died out years ago.
3: They're a dead race now.
6: Not quite. Don't worry, son. I'll show you some real live Martians later on.
3: Gee, this is swell. I wish we didn't ever have to go home. How long can we stay?
6: A million years.
3: A million years?
6: Yes. Yes. It's time we told you, son, we're not going home. This is where we'll live from now on.
3: But what about the rocket? What about Ohio? There's
6: nothing there now but ruins. The last Earth radio just went off the air. That means the war is over and Earth is finished. We're going to blow up our rocket and start all over. See if we can't build a better world up here.
3: You mean Mars is going to be our home?
6: Yes. I hope you don't mind too much.
3: No, sir. But what about the Martians? When do we get to see them?
6: There they are, son. Look down at the water.
3: I don't see anything there.
6: Beside the boat. Look at the reflections in the water.
3: But, but that's us down there. Just you and me and Mum and the baby. Here, yes, son. You see, we're the Martians now.
1: For a long, silent moment... Timmy stared down at the reflections of the family in the waters. And the Martian stared back up at him. Then he lifted his eyes to the deep ocean sky, trying once more to see Earth and the house he had always called home. But Earth was too far away, and the house was now only a heap of radioactive rubble. Only one wall remained standing, and within the wall a voice spoke again and again and again.
2: Not one would mind, neither bird nor tree, if mankind perished utterly, and spring herself when she woke at dawn, would scarcely know that we were gone, that we were gone, that today we were October gone, 5th, that we were gone,
7: that we were gone, today is October that we were 5th, 2026. Gone. 2026, today is October 5th, 2026.
0: have just heard The Martian Chronicles, a dramatization of highlights from the new novel by Ray Bradbury. Your narrator was Norman Rose, and featured in the cast were Inga Adams, Roger DeCoven, and Donald Buca. Music by Albert Berman, engineer Bill Chambers. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Jack Cuny. In a moment, we'll tell you about next week's show. And now, here is your Wheaties man, Frank Martin. Go out and get the Wheaties. It's National Wheaties Week. Yep, this is the week everybody's trying Wheaties. See yourself how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. A better breakfast beginning with Wheaties can help make a wonderful difference because there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. So eat happy, work happy. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. Get yours. Get yours. It's National Wheaties Week.
1: Next week, the strange and chilling story of The Parade. The parade that suddenly turned into a funeral procession for the world
0: of tomorrow. The world of... Dimension X. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen on Saturday, that's tomorrow night, to Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Remember, it's National Wheaties Week. Swing your partners, right and left. It's National Wheaties Week. Come on, everybody, to the Wheaties party. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Dance together cheek to cheek. This is National Wheaties Week. Eat a lot of Wheaties like the champions do. Wheaties, the breakfast of champion. The preceding was transcribed. Coming up is Jack Late. Listen for Bill Bendix, October 6th on NBC.